0: Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Rabeck, and I'm here with Eulalia Marin. Today, we're going to talk about the proposed merger between Vodafone and the 3UK that was finally announced last week after more than a year of negotiations. So, Eulalia, let's start off with the deal itself. What was agreed last week?
1: Hi, Tom. Thank you. Yes, definitely. This is big news. And we've been waiting um, for quite a long time uh, hearing rumours here and there. So, um, on the 14th of June, both the phone and three announced um, they had reached an agreement to combine the businesses in the UK. So based on the agreement, and if the transaction gets approved, Vodafone will control 51% of the merged company, while three will own the remaining 49%. Um, it's also interesting to say that three years after, as part of the agreement, three years after the completion of the transaction, Vodafone will have the right to buy three's share as long as the enterprise value of the company has increased to 16.5% billion. And also it's important that the merger will not require a cash exchange as the ownership distribution will be just by adjusting the debt ownership.
0: Okay, thanks. I mean, I think uh, also interesting in the announcement. So Vodafone has that option to buy Threes or Hutchison in the merged entity. Um, but it doesn't work the other way around. So Hutchison doesn't have the option to buy Vodafone's share. Um, let's talk about the merged entity and how big it's going to be. So can you give the, the data in terms of market share and customer numbers and so on?
1: Yes, it's very important to mention the scale of this transaction. So Vodafone is currently the second largest mobile operator by revenue and the third largest by subscribers. And 3 is the fourth operator in both measures. So um, the combined entity will become the largest mobile operator in the UK, both in terms of revenue and subscribers. And roughly based on today's market shares, the new company will have an estimated 28 uh, million mobile connections. That's roughly around 32% of the market, and it will be responsible for the generation of uh, almost 35% of the total uh, mobile services revenue um, in the UK.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because quite often you see Vodafone cited as the third largest operator, which is in terms of customer numbers. But clearly, the customers for Vodafone are more valuable than the average uh, average of the market. They've got a big share of the premium, the postpay, top end of the market, and especially in business. So it's the second largest uh, in terms of revenue, which is why the most entity will have a slightly higher share of revenue than connections. Um, but that's the mobile market. Let's just talk about the fixed market briefly as well.
1: Yes, in the uh, fixed mobile, I mean, Boulephone's presence obviously is not as strong. Uh, they are the fifth largest operator uh, in the in the country, and Three doesn't really have a presence there in the fixed broadband market. So,
0: yeah, it's got a few, maybe a few fixed wireless connections, but nothing, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really change the position of of the most entity in fixed uh, fixed market. Um, Let's go on to talk about the rationale behind the merger. Now, it's pretty straightforward. You're merging two relatively large mobile operators in the hope of making savings, exploiting other opportunities. Um, Can you summarise the arguments that Vodafone and 3 are making to support this transaction?
1: Yes, the main rationale behind this merger is uh, definitely the generation of cost and capex synergies, as well as creating new opportunities for the market. So, um, in their announcement, Botherphone and 3 said that they estimate that the annual cost and capex synergies could go over £700 million by the fifth full year post-completion. This is quite optimistic, so let's see what happens, right? But uh, another important argument is um, relates to the um, investments in 5G infrastructure. So the merge company will definitely have a much uh, larger scale in order to be able to uh, roll out their own um, standalone 5G network. Uh, so they have committed around £11 million pounds over the next 10 years to roll out uh, a nationwide network, and they are targeting 95% of the population by 2030 and 99% by 2023.
0: Okay I think that's 11 billion rather than 11 million. Um, the other point I, I think just going back to the cost savings, now they didn't talk about the number of employees and, and job cuts, um, obviously they were putting the, the positive arguments behind the merger but clearly job cuts are going to be part of it. Now from our data um, Vodafone UK has around 10,000 employees. Um, three has around 5,000 employees. So clearly, jobs are going to be lost, lost as part of that, and that will form, I guess, a big part of the uh, a big part of the cost savings.
1: Yes, I mean, definitely, I mean, co- co- job cuts are definitely in the menu, whether the transaction goes ahead or not. Um.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vodafone's already got other announcements for job cuts, anyhow, separately. But I, I would imagine there's going to be job cuts uh, over and above what they've already announced. Um, let's go on and talk a bit about the challenges facing the transaction. I, I think there are a bunch of different issues that we we identified. Let's start off with regulation.
1: So, yeah, uh, one of the biggest uh, hurdles probably will be getting the approval of the CMA Um so the two operators um, have to provide very strong reasons to support that the merger will not have a negative impact on competition levels. Um, let's not forget that a few years ago, the, uh, a similar deal between O2 and 3 did not go through. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, it will be very important for Bodafone and 3 just to explain what has changed since then and why it now could, um, the outcome of the merger could be positive for the market.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I was looking at the data for MVNOs back when they, when the O2 Three deal was first announced, um, and they had more or less exactly the same market share. It was about 16% of, of subscribers back in, back in 2015, which is more or less the level it is today. Um, so that's not an argument they can use. There are other arguments they're going to put forward, like um, trying to say that the wholesale wholesale deals will be more more competitive and so on. But yeah, they're going to have to say why the market is different from from back in 2015. Um, the other big challenge I think is around the, the networks themselves and restructuring those networks. Um, so, do you want to talk about the the various different network sharing agreements they've got right now?
1: Yes. Um, well, Vodafone has an active and passive network sharing deal with O2 and 3 has a passive infrastructure joint venture with EE. So, the proposed merger raises questions about the networks, these networks in the near 10. So, for example, will Vodafone continue to use O2's network um, on half of the UK? So, I mean, there are lots of uh, – it's not going to be an easy one.
0: No. I mean, this was going to be complicated enough to untangle even without the merger. The merger just just adds complexity to this. Um, the third point we identified was about competing against the integrated operators. So uh, and particularly, obviously, the fixed issue that we mentioned a bit earlier. So do you want to talk about that?
1: Yes, I mean we think we already mentioned that Vodafone does not have a strong presence in the fixed broadband market. Um, it provides services through its own network and it has a wholesale sharing agreements with City Fiber and open Ritz. But still, it lacks the base of fixed customers uh, in the country. Definitely, to compete against um, integrated operators BTEE and Virgin Media O2, which uh, have far larger fixed broadband bases. Um, BT, for instance, has uh, 9.2 million um, customers, broadband customers in the UK, whereas um, Virgin Media O2 has 55.7 million, uh, compared to just 1.2 million from Vodafone.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also the the, the, the scale issue. Um, so as well as those those bigger operators, they're better positioned to sell fixed mobile converged services. They're also uh, got greater scale overall. So what BT's at annual revenue? It's 20 20 billion or around 20 billion. Um, Virgin Media okay, uh, uh, Virgin Media O2, it's around 10 billion. Um, Even after the merger, Vodafone 3 is going to be a bit smaller than that, probably around eight, eight and a half billion, more or less, in terms of revenue. Um, Let's talk about market positioning. Um, In in many ways, I guess they're they're fairly complementary, the brands. Um, Vodafone, as mentioned earlier, much stronger in the business market, the the high-end post-pay market. 3 has always been positioned more as a um, low-cost consumer brand. Um, So... Broadly speaking, they're they're complementary, but they're still going to be if they are carrying on this multi brand strategy. And I think that's the plan. That seems to be that what they've stated. Um, that there'll still be issues around uh, managing those different brands and uh, trying to avoid any internal competition.
1: yes, definitely there's gonna be there's some complementarity between uh, between the comp companies but um but they will have to be uh, very clever in just not uh, making sure that there's no internal competition and um, perhaps the situation could be a lot simpler in the business market where business with Vodafone has a far larger share of the market despite um, three's repeated efforts to, to grow in this um in this seven this part of the market yeah.
0: Yeah. And, the, and then the last uh, issue we touched on um, in the article that we wrote about this was around fixed wireless access. Now, Vodafone and 3, in their support for the deal, they've really pushed um, the, the idea of them becoming a, a much bigger fixed wireless player, uh, much better able to compete. I, I think they said they'll be able to provide a, a fixed wireless access to 82% of households in, in the UK. Um, And obviously, they've seen the success that T-Mobile and Verizon have had in the US. Um, All of that said, the the market's clearly very different in the UK from the US. There's much more competition in the UK. It's... But prices are much lower and and, and, and so on. Um, I, I think the other general point is that fixed wireless is a poor substitute for fibre on pretty much every, every measure. It's not as fast, it's not got as much capacity, it costs more, it uses more energy and so on. But also the rollout of fibre in the UK is happening very quickly. So according to our forecast by 2028, almost 90%, so 89% of premises will have access to at least one fixed alternative offering a gigabit per second, um, all of which means that fixed wireless, we think, will remain a niche product in the UK, as it will in in, in most countries. So it's a big part of their argument, but probably won't have that much of an impact on the market overall. Okay, great. Well, well, thank you for that, um, Eulalia. I mean, this feels like a, a topic that we'll come back to again. Um, as I mentioned, this um, is based on an article that we've written. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and if you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We also welcome your comments, feedback and reviews. Thank you for listening.